Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Last, uh, last month, we had a message series called Standing Ovation, where we asked the question, why do we sing songs at church? That was kind of the overriding question. And we found out that the point of singing songs is really about worship. And worship is all about the idea of, of telling God how good he is. We, we give him worship. So when we come to church and we sing songs and we worship, we're telling God how good he is and we're thanking him for how good he is. But when something happens to us in that process, that when we do that, we connect with him in a way that we can't find anywhere else. Our spirits connect to him and, and we receive peace and he breaks fear in our lives and we hear from him as we worship him. So we learned that, that the standing ovation is that we're giving God the praise that he deserves. Well, now that we're standing in worship, now that we have our voices in our lives, we want to ask a new question. And that question is this, is that is there more to worship than just singing songs? We realize that worship is so popular. You can turn on the radio and you hear on the K-Love radio station, there's songs there. Worship has become probably more popular than ever in churches. Like there, there, are, there are CDs and MP3s you can buy of worship everywhere. And so it's easy for us to think that the concept of worship is synonymous with songs. But is there more to worship than just the voices that we have? Is there more to worship than just the songs that we sing? And so today we're beginning a brand new message series called Still Standing. So last month was standing ovation. Well, now we're standing and we want to worship God, but we're going to explore the words of Jesus. I love the words of Jesus. In the Gospels, we see how Jesus uh, just jutted up against culture so often and he flipped the script. And so we're going to explore the words of Jesus and we're going to discover meaningful ways that we can worship beyond our songs and our words. You know, I learned very early on in my marriage that there is a big distinction between what I say and what I do. Um, very early on, I, I, I was realized that I was really good at telling my wife how much I love her, how beautiful she is. It's very easy for me to say, Heather, I think you, you look so good today. Heather, you're beautiful. Wow, you're so kind. Thank you for taking care of this. Thank you for doing that. That's something I was always very good at. But one of the things that I was not good at early in our, our marriage days was I was not very good at helping out around the house. Um, I, would, I would go out of my way to, in the morning, I would tell her how beautiful she is. I'd be at work and I would write her a poem and I would email it to her. I would send her flowers. I would always tell her how grateful I was of her. And then at the same time, the dishes would sit empty, sit you know dirty in the sink. The trash would be almost overflowing. The lawn would be uh, you know growing waist high out in the backyard. Um, I was so good at telling her how much I loved her, but I wasn't ever helping out around the house. I wasn't doing anything to actually show my words. And one day Heather sat me down, and she told me. She said, "Jared, I, I am so thankful that you love me." I know that you love me. I, I, you tell me all the time. It's not an issue or a question of knowing that you love me, but I'm frustrated because you always tell me how much you care and how much you appreciate me, but you don't actually, your words are not matching up. Your actions are not matching up with your words. You're not participating in the house here. 
you know, and, and that hit me pretty hard because I was taking for granted everything that I had received. I was sitting at home. Oh, I would love it. I'd come home to a, to a house that was clean and there was always food on the table and I never really had to worry about anything. I would go to work and I would come home and everything was magically taken care of. You ever seen that video on like the internet of the guy who's like magically like the dishes just get washed. I mean, it sounds terrible. I, I feel embarrassed. You know, I was, I was a little, I just didn't know any better. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but, but I, was, I loved my wife. I loved her so much, but just somewhere along the way, I just didn't realize that I was supposed to participate in, in things that were already being done because it wasn't, she would end up doing those things. And she sat me down one day and she said, Jared, you're just not participating. It's hard for me to feel like you love me when you don't do things to show your love. And so she told me that my words are important, but that my actions weren't living up to them. And over the years, with much repeated failure on my part and much, much patience on my wife's part, I began to, 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 to get up off the couch. I sound like a lazy jerk, I realize. And for a while, honestly, I just, I was lazy. I, I, didn't, I didn't know any better. And even if I did, it just, it, just, it just didn't translate, right? But something clicked one day when I realized, you know what, like I need to participate it's not enough for me to say something. It's not enough for me to say I love my wife. I need to show her in ways that are, that are more than just my words. And so over the years, I have, I have really grown into that. I've become where, up to a place where my words and my actions both match up. So we're asking this question. Is there more to worship than simply singing songs? Well, that's a lot like asking, is there more to loving my wife than simply telling her that I love her? And the answer to that is yes, of course there is. But for some of you in the room who maybe are new to worship, you're new to the concept of worship, you know, you, this is a lot like being a new husband or a new wife, is that I, I'm, I'm learning, but I don't know everything that's expected of me. Maybe I haven't thought through some of these things, and I would say to you that that's okay. It's all right to be new to faith. It's okay to, be, to not know. You can't be held accountable for what you don't know. And so that's all right. I would say just listen and just try to grow. And when you make mistakes, you apologize and you move on, right? You do that in your relationships. We need to do that in our relationship with God. But for some of us, this is old hat. And we would say, of course, the answer is yes. There's more to loving my wife than simply telling her I love her. There's yes, there is more to worship than simply singing songs. But the problem is, is that for many of us, oftentimes we forget or get caught up in ourselves. We get caught up in life. Life gets busy, and it's easy for us to say things, but not to do it. And we end up neglecting that part of our relationship. And so the concept is true, that we know that there is more to worship than just singing songs. And the same thing is true in our faith, that, that to worship God, it's, it's, a, it's a marriage of both the way we speak as well as the way that we act. And so in this series, what we're going to do is we want to explore what does it mean to worship God in ways that are beyond just a Sunday morning song or when we're at work, or when we're at home, more than just talking about how good God is. How can we actually take worship with our hands and with our actions? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to explore the words of Jesus. So I'd encourage you right now to open your Bibles, if you have them, to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. If you have a Bible, pull it out. Uh, we also have free Bibles for you. If you don't have one, we'd love to give you one. You could pick one up at the Connection Center right after service, in case you're noticing a trend. Everything happens at the Connection Center. 
So that's where you should go, okay? Um, and if also the words will be here on the screen. And uh, also I encourage everyone to download the Bible app because it's an incredible resource for you to have the Bible on the go everywhere you are. Now, Matthew, if you're new to this, uh, the Gospel of Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. The Gospels were books written by Jesus' closest friends. So this is uh, Matthew's telling of Jesus' life. And we're going to open this to Matthew chapter 22, the first book of the New Testament. And this is what he says in verse 36. There was a, a Pharisee or a teacher, a religious teacher, who were very legalistic, and they were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to get him to trip up because they hated the fact that Jesus was upsetting the standard of the, uh, of the, the religious world at the time. And so they're trying to get him to say something wrong so they can arrest him. And they ask him this question, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Because they were like, there's 406 commandments in the Old Testament, in the law, right? So if he just picks one of them, we've got him because the other 405 are just as important, Jesus. <laughs> That's what they're thinking. And Jesus says, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And then they're like, ah, and then he stops and he kind of moves on. He goes, and second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And then I just picture this, this Pharisee just being frustrated because Jesus gave them the answer, but then flipped it so that they had nothing left to say. He picked not just one, he picked two commandments, but then said that all the commandments are basically wrapped up in these two. Right away, Jesus is making an incredibly large distinction that what we say, our worship is connected to both our words and our actions. Think about it for a second. He says, the first commandment was directed as a worship to God. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And another passage says, with all your strength. It's like with everything in you, direct your worship to God. But then he says, the second commandment was still worship to God, but directed at other people. And he's saying, love your neighbor as yourself. What he was saying is, is that you should worship God with everything that you are, every bit of your being. And then when you take that to other people, you're still glorifying me. You're still worshiping me because you're giving people what I want for them. You're loving them. You're giving them something beyond yourself. And when you serve other people, when you love other people, when you worship God with your actions... You are, you are pleasing him. You're giving him worship. Jesus was linking worship to include both our voice and our actions. And so, so much so that he basically said that the entire Old Testament was wrapped up in those two, those two commandments, that everything is about worship, worshiping God and serving the world. So that's our big idea for the day. If you're taking notes, write this down. By the way, we have uh, Encounter Church notebooks. If you're interested, you could pick one of those up at where? That Connection Center for $5, we'd love for you to have once you can take notes and keep all your messages together every week in that handy-dandy notebook. If you're taking notes, write this down. The big idea today, the entire message is kind of revolving around this. The things that we do are just as much a part of worship as the things that we say. The things that we do are just as much a part of worship as the things that we say. Every action that I have, every thought that I have, every word that I speak, if I direct them 
towards a concept of worship, right? The Bible says in other passages, it says everything that you do, do unto the Lord, right? So if I, if I, if I connect a microphone cable on a Sunday morning, I can do it as an act of worship. Sure, it can also be an act of nothingness. You could come to service on a Sunday morning and do things and help and not have it in your heart that it's an act of worship and it would mean nothing in the sense of your, your, your actions are always fueled by your heart, where you're directing them to be. It's just the same thing with my wife at home. If I tell her I love her, or even if I do something nice, but if my heart's not in the right place, it doesn't mean anything to her. She could, I could be angry at her. I could be doing the dishes and throwing pans and pots everywhere and breaking things, and it's, I'm still doing the dishes, but it's not going to get the result that I want. She's not going to feel loved if my heart is not in the right place. You see, Jesus told us that worship, it comes from the heart, it comes from who we are. We direct it to him. And then when we take our actions out to other people, we begin to show the world God's love. The most common word that Jesus used when talking about worshiping God with our actions is the word servant. Jesus talked about being a servant all the time. He talked about, about giving his life for other people. For he, he told us, he says, those who are in their kingdom, in my kingdom, are going to, to be the ones on the ground. They're going to be the ones getting their hands dirty. And so when Jesus talks about this idea of giving our entire lives for him and giving our, our actions in worship to him, he's really calling us to be servants. And when we study the words of Jesus, and even when we read the letters of the apostles later in the New Testament, we see that to follow Jesus is really marked by worshiping with our actions and being servants to other people. And that's at church, that's at our home, that's in our workplaces, it's in our neighborhoods. It's interesting that husbands are called to serve their wives. It's interesting that we are called to serve our communities, that we're to serve our enemies. I mean, that's the hallmark of a follower of Jesus. And so we ask this question, is there more to worship than just singing songs? Part of the answer that Jesus gave us is by using our actions to worship him by serving other people. And I want to look at one other passage today to try and discover what Jesus thinks a servant is like. I think I want to see what it means to become a servant. What is it like? What does Jesus think a servant should be? And there's this really great, interesting passage in the book of John. This is another one of the Gospels. It's the fourth one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So the fourth uh, book in the New Testament. In chapter 21, Jesus had resurrected from the grave. He had, he had appeared to his disciples uh, a few times so that they knew that he was alive. And one day they're out fishing on, uh, on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and they see this man that they think is Jesus on the shore. So they come in and they rush to the shore, and Jesus is cooking them breakfast. How cool is that? Like he built a campfire and and then they just, they're kind of sweaty and they've been working and they come in and Jesus is cooking what presumably at the time was fish. But I'm thinking, man, how great would it be if Jesus is frying up bacon and he's, you know, he's got like, like all the things that you would love for a good morning. I'm thinking if Jesus appeared today and wanted to make me breakfast, he's not making me fish. You know what I mean? He's making me pancakes and eggs and bacon because that's how Jesus rolls. I love it. But but here's what he says, right? So he sits down and he has breakfast with them and he's just loving them. We don't know what the conversation was like, but he's just hanging out with his friends, with the ones that he loves. And then, and then it says in verse 15 of John 21, after breakfast, so after the food was done, after everyone's stomach was full, everyone was happy, Jesus then kind of takes Simon, Peter, to the side. 
And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now that kind of flashes back. The last time we saw Peter, Jesus was being crucified and he was, he was about to be crucified and he was being carried off by the guards. And then Peter kind of follows along. He's in the courtyard. Many of us know this story. The last time we see Peter speak at this point, he's denying Jesus. Prior to that, Jesus tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times. And Peter goes, no way, no way, Jesus. I love you so much. I would never deny you. I would never do that. And lo and behold, three times in a row, he has an opportunity to prove himself that he's with Jesus. And he flakes out. He freaks out. He, he's held by fear. And he says, I don't know. I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. Three times. And here we are, Jesus serving breakfast to his friend. And he sits with him and says, Peter, do you love me more than these flashing back to them? And you can imagine Peter going, oh, I, I remember the last time, the last time this happened. Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know, I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17, a third time. He asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Three times in a row, Jesus asked the same question and constantly tells Peter, then if you want to follow me, then you have to be a servant. You have to take care of what I care about. And I love the fact that, that Jesus asks Peter three times because it's almost, as if, it's almost as if he was completely aware that when Jesus takes him aside and asks him these questions, that he knew that Peter's mind was going to flash back to the failure of his life. How many times have we felt that way? I can tell you how many times in my life I have heard God say something to me and immediately I feel like, but the last time I tried, I messed up or I failed at this thing. I... I I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, then, and yet the words of Jesus are reassuring. The words of Jesus are, I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about now. You're with me. And I'm just going to teach you. I just want you to know what is available for you. And I love the fact that he, that he erases Peter's past in that moment by, by renewing it three times. He gives him a chance to do it three more times. And he gets the answer right. Yes, I love you, Jesus. Then serve my people. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. If our primary co commandment is to worship God with our entire being, well, Jesus laid out the roadmap for how we do that with our actions, and that's to become servants. And so to finish today, I just wanted to make two observations from this passage of Scripture that I think can apply to us. How do we become servants? the heart of a servant. What does it mean to, to be a servant? I'm not talking about the specifics right now of, of the things that you do. Because like I said earlier, the things that you do don't matter if your heart isn't in the place, isn't in the right place. So what is Jesus? What can we glean from this conversation with Peter? There are two things about becoming a servant. The first is giving what people need. Jesus said, feed my sheep. He said that twice, actually. Feed my sheep. The word there in Greek is boske. I'm probably butchering the word. But boske means literally to feed. What we're talking about here is Jesus is saying, identifying and meeting physical needs. One of the hallmarks of Christianity for, for centuries, for millennia now, 
is that Christians feed the hungry, that Christians meet needs. And it could be food, and the hallmark of being a servant is being willing to give what someone needs. If you see a, a need and you have the ability to meet it, we are called to always be looking out, looking out for opportunities to feed people, to clothe people, to meet them financially. It can meet in a variety of ways. For some, some people, in fact, there's a couple in our church right now that I'm sitting here and I'm looking at them, and I met them. And this is not to say, oh, look at your Jared, look at your pastor, but it's an example of how, how this operates in life. I'm sitting in a gas station, and I see a man who was standing there, and I went to talk to him because I felt like God said, go speak to that man. So I went and told him, found out he's homeless and he's hungry. And so I, I thought, you know what? He's hungry. Let me buy him lunch. So I fed the man, and during that moment while I'm talking to him, I'm trying to pray for this guy after, after I gave him lunch, and then this other couple gets out of the car and says, I didn't, I saw what you were doing, and now they come to the church because they were excited about seeing another Christian doing what they're, what they're called to do, and now we have a new family in our church because, because of one person's desire and, and obedience to following the word of God, to giving someone what they need. I'm not saying anything that has to do with like me. I'm not trying to make it sound like I do anything better because it could just happen to you, but the, the key here, the thread that runs through that scenario is we hear the words of Jesus that says, if you want to follow me, if you want want to worship me, then you need to give your life. You want to give as a servant to other people. And he says to feed his sheep, to give what is needed. Now, there have been other times where I've seen people who don't have money and I've given them money to help them pay a bill. Our church has a benevolence fund, a small benevolence fund that's been set up for that purpose to try to help when people have needs. You know, so much of being a servant, the heart behind it is seeing when a need is lacking and then taking the opportunity to meet that need. In fact, our church has done that a few times. We, a couple years ago, did a Friendsgiving event. It's kind of our version of a Thanksgiving dinner where we invited families from around the Lawrenceville community and we gave them dinner. We said, we love you. We know that you're hungry. You don't have an opportunity today to be able to have a family. So we're going to provide you people who will talk to you. We're giving you turkey and, and stuffing and all the great trimmings of Thanksgiving. And we just said, we love you. Jesus loves you. We met a need. Every summer, we have a back-to-school bash where we give away backpacks filled with school supplies and free food to families. Why? Because there's a need in this community of people who don't have school supplies. So we meet those needs. That's an example of our church doing that. If we want to be servants, if we want to worship God beyond the songs that we sing, and let's be frank here, this is what we're called to do. It's not an option. We were told by Jesus to become servants. He said, if you want to follow me, you will serve other people. So we worship him with our words on Sunday. God, you're so good. And because you're so good, I now give of myself freely to the world around me. So the first way that we become a servant is by giving what people need. We worship God when we give people what they need. And the second way that we see from Jesus in this scripture is doing what needs done. Doing what needs done. He says, take care of my sheep. Now, where, what does take care mean? The word is pomain in Greek again, and it literally means to take care of. So to do everything that needs to be done to be the shepherd. So in this scenario, Jesus is having breakfast with Peter and they're sitting down and he says, do you love me? And he says, yes, yeah. then feed my sheep. He says, meet the physical needs of people. But then he asks again and he says, okay, now take care of my sheep. 
In other words, if you're going to be the shepherd, there's more to just feeding the flock. That means you got to mow the grass. That means you got to mend the fence. That means you have to go look for the sheep when they run out of the pen. That means you have to go buy the supplies. That means you have to, have to pay the other shepherds. You've got to hire other shepherds. There's a variety of things that the shepherd does in taking care of the sheep. So the concept here, the first part was literally looking at the sheep and saying, oh, you need some more food or some more water. I do that with my dog at home. Let me give you what I have. But the second part that's even greater, more a larger scope to that, to being a servant is saying, what needs done? How can I get involved to, to, to not just feed, but actually be a part of the house, to be a part of the whole thing, to take responsibility and ownership over the process? Doing what needs done. Identifying what needs done and taking responsibility to do it. In our personal life, what does that look like? It means serving your spouse. It means doing the dishes at home. It means mowing the lawn, being a participant. That means when my wife needs a time off that I, I say, hey, babe, why don't you just stay in bed? Let me go take care of this thing today. Let me go grocery shopping. Whatever it might be, serving your spouse. It means serving your children. It means serving your home. It means serving your friends and your workplace. It means, it means in your personal life, seeing what needs done and taking the responsibility to do it yourself. And there are some guys out there who need to hear this because I needed to hear it. There are some gentlemen in the room, and I don't have anyone specific, but there are guys at home who let their wives do way too much and they don't take responsibility for their homes. And it could be flipped on the same way that, that some of your wives, your husbands work their tails off and you hound their husbands. And listen, you could say to me, you know, Pastor Jared, I believe you should stay out of my home life. Well, all I'm saying to you is that Jesus is telling us to serve our spouses, to serve our wives, to serve our husbands and our children and our, our neighbors. It's not about me. It's not about, well, I've done enough. No, Jesus never said I did enough. He said I gave it all. And so that's, that's what we're told here is to serve and do what needs to be done in our home life. But it also means in our church, serving your brothers and sisters, when you recognize that there are needs, when someone needs help. I love when, you know, I don't like to move people, but we move people all the time. They move from houses. But I love seeing our brothers and our sisters show up at each other's houses to help them move from one location to another. I love that when there are things that need to be done or places that need to be uh, at, that our church rises up and we go and help each other. We need to serve our brothers and sisters at our, in our church family and let them know that we have their back, that we will help them. It also means serving at church. I mentioned things like the cables and the lights and the, the soundboard, and we have a guy serving right now with his guitar. We have so many things that need to get done, but there are so many people sitting in our, in our, in our, uh, our audience this morning who are not participating. And you'd say to me, Pastor Jared, I just don't believe you should tell me what I should do with my own life. And I would say to you, take that up with Jesus. And there are many of you in the room right now who do serve, and I love serving. This is not me trying to step or smack someone in the face. All I'm saying is, is that the words of Jesus tell us the words of Jesus tell us that to love him, to follow him, means to get on our knees to say, what can I do to help? What can I do to serve? And I love the fact that I see so many of us getting in the game, serving the church. But there are some of us in the room who need to participate, who need to say, you know what? I've been sitting on the bench. I've been receiving healing. I've been receiving grace. I've been receiving love, and I've been doing it for a long time. And I'm grateful you received all of that. But now it's time to say, I'm going to stand up and become a part of what Jesus is doing at your church. 
You could do that in outreach and in missions. Just this past Friday night, we went down to the North Shore and we serve people coffee and we're telling them about Jesus. Join these missions. Join our missions trips. We go around the world and we share the gospel. In, on April 15th, sign up for the big hunt in the next couple of weeks. Volunteer. Give of your time to the cause of Jesus Christ. And I promise you, you will come more like him. And finally, in our communities, serving our neighbors, serving our cities. So easy for us as Americans to think there's somebody else whose job it is to do those things. Like the trash man, for example. I, I had, just yesterday we were driving and I saw this guy with a bag of chips in his hand and he finished the chips and he literally just threw the bag out into the street. And his thinking is probably in some, some form or fashion, well, there's a trash guy who'll pick that up. But it's my responsibility too. It's your responsibility too. You know, like, let's not just look to the trash guy who's paid by the city to pick up the litter. Let's pick it up ourselves. You see something that needs done, let's be the servant and do it. The things that we do are just as much a part of worship as the things that we say. We become servants when we give people what they need. We become servants when we do what needs done. And it's all in the name of Jesus. Would you stand up with me? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to explore this concept a little bit deeper. And I believe that if we become people who worship God with more than just our words, that we will grow closer to Jesus. We will become more like him. And then we'll see breakthrough in our own lives. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that in my own life, that it's so easy for me to sit and do nothing. When I actually start doing things, I start to see things happen in my life. Why? It's not the magic of doing something. It's becoming like Jesus. When you become like him, his power and presence in your life then affects your life. If you want to be more, if you want more breakthrough in your life, if you want things to change, then you've got to shake up what you've been doing in your life. You can never go wrong being like Jesus. I believe that when we become servants and we put other people first, that our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, that they will see Jesus in our lives and that we'll have opportunities to bring them the gospel. So as we finish here, how can we take some next steps before we pray? What are some things that we can do? How can we experience this concept today? I think the first thing to experience this is to choose to see service as an act of worship. And if, if all you heard today was me saying we need more people to plug in cables, then I think you missed the point. That's not what I was saying. I was just talking about the, the concept of the heart. We need to choose to see service, everything, every aspect of service, from doing dishes to picking up trash to giving someone a ride across town to help paying someone's bills. Whatever the serv servant's concept might be, we have to see that as an act of worship. It's so easy for us to see it as time that we've spent, money we're spending, what we lose, but instead view it as an act of worship that pleases your Father. If you want to know a little bit more, dig into some other passages of Scripture about this topic. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. And 1 Peter 4, 
10 through 11, all of those passages talk about serving and worshiping God with our service, not just worshiping with our songs, but actually marrying the two. And what's a step that you can take this week? Express. How can you express this? You can meet a physical need. Find someone who's hungry this week. Find someone who is without clothing or has a need of some kind and take a step to meet that yourself this week. And I would say also get involved. Take responsibility for the things that are around you in your home life. Get involved in your home. Get involved in your kids' schools. Get involved at your work and what things need done. Get involved at church. Get involved in your life group. Get involved with your neighbors or in your neighborhood and your communities. When we do that, we become like Jesus. And when we serve people, we get closer to Jesus. We see him reflecting back in our lives and his power changes us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, this is hard. This is difficult. I'm really not very good at it. I tend to think about myself more than anybody else. I tend to want to do what is the path of least resistance. It's not my natural nature to, to, to put other people before me. And I think many of us in the room feel the same way, that it's hard to think about other people. It's hard to get up early and do extra things. It's hard to, to go out of our way. and to, It's hard to let go of the money that we have worked for and to give to other people. It's hard to, to do all of these things. Would you help us to see that it's, that it's a worshipful act to you, that you are pleased when we put other people first, that you're pleased when we do the dishes to show our wives that we love them. It is, you are pleased to, when we sign up for things, you are pleased when we serve the homeless man, when we give them something to eat. Help us to see that every act that we, can, that we can do with our hands and with our words can be an act of worship. Change our hearts, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to go ahead and finish now with a time of response. We're going to sing one more song and a chorus and a bridge. I encourage you to take this concept. Say, tell God as you're worshiping how much you want to serve other people, how you want to serve him with your hands, with your feet, with your actions. And as we worship, uh, baskets are going to be coming around for our giving moment. We also believe that we can worship God and respond with our finances. And we want to respond and say, God, I'm putting you first in every area of my life. And your giving is what helps us to have what we do and to, to be able to go out and to do backpacks and egg hunts and, and reach the lost. There's easy ways for you to give. A basket's going to come around in just a moment. And you can, uh, if you had a gift with you today in, in your pocket in front of you is an envelope. You could put your gift there as a tax-deductible gift. But the easiest way to give is online at EncounterGiving.com. So as the baskets come by, go ahead and put your connection cards in there as well. But let's worship God with our finances. Let's worship him with our words. And then we'll come up in just a moment to finish our service. Our service hosts want to come forward. Let's worship one last time together. And he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves yeah, And he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, 
Father, we are grateful for how much you love us. Thank you for your never-ending patience. We mess up, we fail, we fall down, but you're always there to pick us up and to tell us that you love us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your constant push and pull to be closer to you and to be more like you. Help us to, to first and foremost give you worship, to say that you're deserving of it. And help us to see opportunities every day of how we can serve other people, how we can be more like Jesus and give up our lives for other people. We thank you. Guide us as we go from this place. Keep us safe. Let us show love to each other and to those who we don't know. Bring us back together again soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remember, next week is our three-year anniversary. I'm so excited for this. You guys have a great week. Join a life group, everybody, and go to the Connection Center because that's where everything's happening. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.